Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God doesn't expose your weaknesses. God doesn't expose your flaws just so you can feel bad about yourself. God many times will expose your weakness, expose your flaws so that you'll bring it to him. So he already knows where you're messed up at. But he'll bring it to your attention. He'll let you see it that you might say, God, help me. God, I don't want to continue to be this way. And then when you're asking him to help you, you're asking God to do for you what he already wants to do. He already wants to help you. He already wants to give you victory. He already wants to strengthen you in your weaknesses that we might get that victory in him. God wants us to be a pleasing aroma to him, a useful instrument to share his glory with the world. All we do for God brings praise and honor to God. But as Pastor Bill will point out today, there's areas in everyone's lives that are not honoring your Creator. And sometimes, God needs to expose those sins so that you can repent and change. It's not easy to see the parts of your heart that aren't exactly following Jesus. In fact, it's probably going to be a bit painful. But the end result will be well worth the discomfort. The discomfort. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. God doesn't want us to break down under pressure, break down under the heat. I believe this is why we also need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that there are things that, like the honey, again, it just breaks down, it dissolves, it, it can't stand the, the elements, it can't stand the heat, it'll just break down and, and become whatever. Um, how do you respond to the heat? How do you respond, not when everything is going great, but how do you respond, how do you deal when things are not going that great. That becomes really important. Most of us do pretty good when everything's going great. I know I do. If everybody's doing good and everybody is, hey, how you doing? It's, it's easy, you know, we, we just, we doing great. But how do you respond? How do you handle it when the heat gets turned up? What about when things get a little yucky? What about when things get a little hairy? What about when, when things aren't going the way that you would like them to go? This could be at work. It could be in service at church. It could be at home with the family. It could be wherever God has you. How do you handle when the heat gets turned up? Are you able to stand then? Um, or do you just kind of break down? Does it all fall apart? Can you only be lovely and gracious and, and meek and spiritual when everybody else is also all those things? Can you respond in that same way to somebody that's being ugly towards you? You know, some of us, uh, I was talking to uh, one of the principals at Inglewood High School and um, found out the guy's a believer and we were sitting there talking and um, I was kind of going in a little further trying to figure out where, you know, where you fellowshipping at and, you know, how involved are you in this? And we're just talking and going forth and back and forth. And then he, you know, there's this exchanges with a couple of the kids that went by. And he said, hey, I can tell you right up front. Some of these kids make me lose my religion, you know, and, um, you know, that, that's a phrase I used to hear a lot. And it was kind of a Christian way of saying, like, you know, I'm going to lose my religion. Like, I'm, I'm going to set aside the Jesus and the, the, the kindness and the mercy. And you might hear some bad words and some some attitude and some other stuff. Is that OK for the servant of the Lord? No, no. Can't lose your religion. First of all, it's not religion. It's relationship. And you can't lose it. It's a choice. It's, it's what it's really called. It's called fleshing out. Right. I don't ever lose my religion. If I go off on you, I fleshed out. I snapped on you. I, I got in the flesh. That's what it would actually be. It was an outburst of wrath. I let my flesh take over. I didn't yield to the spirit. That's what it would end up being. So, again, as I, I, I ask all of us to consider 
How do you do? We're all different, right? We're all different. But if you realize that, you know what? I'm weak there. I do great until I get caught off guard by that one. You know, somebody come at me wrong. Somebody speak to me harsh. Somebody say the wrong thing. gets me all discombobulated. If you recognize that to be a weakness, it's okay. But you want to recognize it and you want to address it, right? You want to get stronger in that area that it wouldn't be something that is a continual weakness. That you wouldn't stay weak in that area. Um, and so most of us here know areas where we're weak at. Um, some of you guys, if I ask you right now, you might not want to raise up your hand and say it out loud. But if I just say, hey, where are you weak? Where are you weak? Where are you weak? Most of us know I'm weak here. I'm weak here. I'm weak there. How do you know you're weak there? Because that's where you fail most often. It's a good thing to know where we're weak. It's a bad thing to accept it as, well, that's just, why, that's just who I am. We want to get a victory. There are areas where hopefully you can look back and say, man, I used to be a lot weaker than I am today in this thing right here. Um, hopefully, as you go forward in the Lord, you can look at certain things happen and say, man, if that would have happened five years ago, pff, you know, <laughs> it would have been jail time. You know, that if that same thing would have happened at that era of my life, the response would have been totally different. But today, by the grace of God, not the same guy I used to be, not the same person I used to be. I don't think the way I used to think. You know, I'll share with you guys when I wasn't saved, I was a very I was a good thief. We could be such a thing. I was a good thief. I just, you know, I was good at thieving, at stealing things. I had an eye for opportunity and I haven't lost that. I still have an eye for the, I see it all, everywhere I go. I, I hate it. I don't, I'm not tempted to steal. Don't worry. Don't start grabbing your purses, women. Um, but I still see like that. So as I'm walking through places, I'm like, that would be gone. That would be gone. I'm at my daughter's volleyball game the other day and Crystal's there with her purse just wide open and I see her iPhone and I walk by and I just, just dip. And I'm like, that would be so easy. I'm like, you didn't put your purse down by your feet. And she's like, dad, it's where I can, I'm like, put your purse down by, because I know there's some people like me still out there, you know, and the iPhone would be gone. So put it down there by your feet or whatever. And in my mind, I still see, I walk by cars and I'm like, that's an iPad on the seat. I just wouldn't have been able to resist at one point in time. Um, still see those same things. Now, I'm not tempted to break a window and take an iPad or steal a thing or do a, something like that, but it's still there. I do recognize but I'm, not how, I'm not who I used to be in that area. Now there are new areas that, that I'm tempted. There are new areas where I'm tested. There are new areas where I have to yield to the Holy Spirit. And so as you're aware of where you're weak, right, those are the areas where you want to say, Lord, I'm asking for the filling of your spirit, but I'm specifically asking that by your spirit, you strengthen me in this area. This thing right here could get in the way of what you want to do in my life. This thing right here could really be a hindrance to me being the kind of man that, that you want me to be. I want to be able to be serving you. I want to be able to be a useful in your hand. And so, you know, if you break down under pressure in the same area all the time, it would probably be really helpful to get an idea of where that area is. And, and maybe it's something you need to talk to somebody. Maybe you need to get some scripture in that area. Maybe you need to sow those things into your heart and mind and figure out with God's help how you can get a victory in that area. That that wouldn't continue to be something to stifle you. Um, something that I didn't even realize that, you know, when I was preparing to serve, I was preparing to get in ministry. I had been pulled out of my old atmosphere. So sometimes just no longer being in the old atmosphere, I thought I was better than I really was. And so I was no longer out with the fellas, no longer drinking alcohol, no longer at the club, no longer running in the streets. So I was no longer running into people that wanted to fight. That was an issue for me in the world. But now it was like, man, everybody, I'm at church. I like everybody. Everybody likes me. It was all gravy. 
And I remember the first time that, uh, and I've shared it before, the first time I, I realized that that old man was still very much alive, somebody stole something out of my car. And my knee-jerk response was, nah, I'm getting it back at whatever cost. And I said words, and I behaved in a way, I mean, I went from zero to 110 like that. I was blown away that I did that. I couldn't believe myself, but I did that. And I was driving home just saying like, God, I thought that guy was gone. I thought it was over. And I, well, it wasn't. I had to deal with it. I, and I was afraid. I'm like, that's going to ruin my life. I need to get a victory. Then God made me work with somebody, you know, that was very difficult for me. I've never been one that, you know, women get a pass on everything. Women can yell, scream, kick, scratch, bite. It's okay. It's a lady. You just walk away. You go home. You do whatever. With a man, I've never been that way. If a man is screaming at me, everything in my flesh says, just sock him in the mouth really hard. He'll no longer be screaming at you. You know, and nobody's proud and prideful on their back. That was, that's my thinking. And so I'm now in a church context and I got a guy screaming at me in my face. And, and I, I struggled more than once with, I'm just going to sock him up and I'm going to go to another church. But I'm going to sock him up one time. Just I need to do it once. And I struggled. I thought these things. I, was, I, I, I literally, I'm at a church. I'm in a church building. It's before services. I'm considering socking him up and then leaving. And by God's grace, there were people in my life that loved me and that counseled me and calmed me down and pulled me around. And God wouldn't let me out of that scenario. Now, you're going to work really closely with him. You guys are going to be buddies. And God made me stay in close, intimate relationship with this guy until I got a victory. You know, the victory that I needed was that I didn't realize. I thought it was all my flesh. The Lord showed me that I was really bad at loving people that were unlovely to me because most people like me. So I like people that like me. But every once in a while you catch someone that don't like me and I'm like, it's your problem. And God's like, no, you don't love the unlovely. You're not like me. I love the unlovely. And if I didn't, you wouldn't be saved. And so the Lord just pressed, you're going to get a victory here. And I was so glad that I got that victory with this guy. And a few years later, I'm on staff at the church and I'm serving in ministry. And lo and behold, I'm in my office ministering to a guy that's bipolar. And he stands up and he's getting all wild and flailing his hands and everything else. And I stood up and I remember, I remember standing up to deal with it and just feeling like I don't feel an ounce of aggression. I have nothing in me wants to hit him or fight him. And I'm like, man, Lord, maybe you made me deal with this guy in that scenario to draw it out so I can repent of it, so I can ask for help so that so when this thing happens, I'm not getting fired today from getting in a fight with some counselee that's bipolar. He'll be fine tomorrow. And he was. The guy came back the next day crying and sorry. It was, it was a medically imbalanced, you know. And I look and think, man, I, I needed that victory. Where do you need a victory and again, those are past victories. I need victories today. Um, those are victories. Those are things from the past where when those fires were turned up, I broke down. And God is gracious sometimes to show you where you break down that so you can say, whoa, I, I, I thought I was better than that. Where has God shown you that you break down under pressure? Um, and I challenge you to bring it to him. He'll help you. God doesn't expose your weaknesses. God doesn't expose your flaws just so you can feel bad about yourself. God many times will expose your weakness, expose your flaws so that you'll bring it to him. So he already knows where you're messed up at, but he'll bring it to your attention. He'll let you see it that you might say, God, help me. God, I don't want to continue to be this way. And then when you're asking him to help you, you're asking God to do for you what he already wants to do. He already wants to help you. 
He already wants to give you victory. He already wants to strengthen you in your weaknesses that we might get that victory in him. And so, again, no leaven, no honey. And these offerings that are going to be made by fire, verse 12 now, as we come to the rest of the chapter, as for the offering of the first fruits, you shall offer them to the Lord, but they shall not be burned on the altar for a sweet aroma. And every offering of your grain offering, you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. I'll come back to the whole idea of the first fruits offering. But here he says, as you offer these offerings to the Lord, these grains, you shall season them with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering with the offerings you shall offer salt. They were to offer salt up with these offerings that they bring before the Lord. In the scriptures, we already know, you go to your New Testament, what is the salt? What is the salt symbolic of? What does salt do? If you guys have it in your word, Matthew 5, 13, Jesus says, you are the what? You are the salt of the earth. Um, but he says, but if the salt has lost its, its flavor, this is Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. God wants the, the believer's life where to be salty. What does salt do in that culture? What does salt do today? A uh, few things. Salt creates thirst. It preserves. In that culture, salt was a preservative. They didn't have refrigerators and freezers to put their beef and their meat. And so they would salt it down and the salt would keep it from rotting, would make it last longer. It was a preservative for it. Um, in these same ways, creating thirst and preservative, God says, hey, believers, you're salt and light in this world. You're salt. I want you to be a preservative. I want, I want you to make people thirsty for me. I want you to be a preservative. I want you to be a, we should have a saving influence. Um, wherever God has placed you, if you're being salt, hopefully people are being made thirsty for the Lord because of something about you, something they see in you as you're just salty, as you're just being the salt of the earth. You're not being weird. You're not being annoying. You're not screaming in people's faces. But as you're living out the Christian life, it's, the gospel should be being preached. Our lives should be a, a living testimony of, of God's grace, God's power upon a life. And so people around you ought to be looking at your life and seeing what a life that's in Jesus looks like. And ought to make people thirsty for the Lord. The couple that led me to Christ before my buddy ever got real strong at preaching the gospel to me. I still remember this. I remember looking at his marriage relationship, thinking in my mind, I would never have said it to him, but thinking, man, I wish I had that. As I go back down to my apartment with the girl I live with and the baby and we're fussing and fighting and cheating and living and breaking walls and walking out and leaving and getting drunk and all this stuff. And I would go up to his apartment and it was all like, it, it, it almost seemed like, you know, like elevator music would be playing. It was all soft. The house was neat. You could smell good. There had plug-in smelly good stuff in the, in the walls. It was like, it was like walking into a whole nother realm. And I go in and she's like, can I get you something to drink? And I'm like, this has got to be, I know it's fake. It's got to be fake. I know y'all fight, you know, and I would be looking for some evidence that they weren't and it wasn't. And I would just see them. And they were just going shopping. I'm down here selling weed and trying to do what I can do to make my little money. They got regular jobs and they come and got a brand new car. What? How you got a new car? I'm selling dope. I'm doing illegal stuff. I got a whoopty, you know, and it just didn't make sense. They made me thirsty, though, for what they had. And again, in my pride and my arrogance and in my carnality at that time, I would have never, ever communicated to them that what they were doing I wanted. But in my heart, I did. In my heart, I was, I was looking at what they had saying, man, I wish that were my, my life. 
just seemed so out of reach for me at that moment. But they made me thirsty for what they had. Not by anything that they said. They hadn't really said much yet, just by what they were. Keep that in mind. Everywhere you are, people are watching you. They're looking at your life. They're checking you out. They're looking at... I'm, I'm blown away when people come and they tell me the things that they're, they're observing. They're watching who I am as a person. They're watching how I do my marriage. They're watching how I raise my kids. They're watching everything. You know, people are observing you. You, you say you're a Christian. You're holding up that banner. People know you go to church. They're watching your life. Be salt. You can make people, you can help people to thirst after what you have. Best thing ever, someone to come say, hey, can you, you know, what's, what's, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is. Tell me. And you can just break it down to them. But we're to be salt. Make people thirsty for the Lord. And also it's a preservative. Salt has a preserving influence. And so believers ought to also have a preserving influence. Uh, if you've been saved for any amount of time, hopefully you can look around you and say, hey, there's some things that are saved. Not things, because things don't get saved. But there's some people that have been preserved because of you. Now we know that it's the Lord that saves and it's the Lord that reaches out. But I mean, if you've been saved for a, a length of time, hey, who, whose life is preserved right now? Who's been engaged? Who, 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 you know, do you have that? Is, that? is that happening? Is that flowing out of your life? It might be under your roof. It might be your own kids. It might be people in your family. It might be some friend that you invited or prayed for or led or whatever. But we should be looking for that. God, I want to be a, I want to have a preserving influence. I know I can't save everybody. I know everybody's not going to hear me, but I would like to look around at some point and think that, wow, I was, at least I was used. I'm having some kind of preserving influence. I haven't become just like the world I live in. I haven't fallen into the, the mold of the world that I live in, but I'm having a preserving influence on the world that I live in. That's the desire for all of us. And so, again, they're to offer the offering up with salt. Verse 14, if you offer, oh, there were two other verses on the salt. If you guys want them, I wanted to give them to you. I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 4. Verse uh, six, and I'm gonna read that to you real quick. Colossians four, six, speaking about our speech, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Moving on, back to the end of Exodus. Um, the last part of chapter two is um, verse 14. We look at the first fruits again. It says, if you offer a grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering uh, of your first fruits, green heads of grain roasted on the fire, grain beaten from full heads, and you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. Then the priest shall burn the memorial portion, part of its beaten grain and part of its oil with all the frankincense and all the offering made by fire to the Lord. Um, in verse 14, it speaks about the offering being of the first fruits. If you offer the grain of your first fruits to the Lord. And I just want to point out that they were what God would require of them was their first fruits that they would bring to him first. And that was the standard for everything. God always wanted the, the Israelites when they were to bring an offering uh, with the things they were going to bring to the Lord. God wanted their best and he wanted first. And even here, he's descriptive. He says, hey, I want you to bring the first fruit to the Lord. They're going to be of your grain. They're going to be green heads of grain roasted on the fire, grain beaten from full heads. I'm not getting the little pieces broken off the leftover scrapples after you clean up, after you, you know, you, you know, you clean the, the chaff away from the weed. He says, I want full heads of green grains. I want the good stuff. I want your best and I want your first fruits. And I just point this out to us. I do believe it's important to the Lord that we offer our best in whatever it is. If it's in our giving, that we give our best. If it's in our serving, that we serve our best. 
If it's in the exercise of our gifts that we go all out for the Lord, if it's in whatever it is that we do, if it's, if, if it's in the time that you set aside for the Lord to spend with him, give him your best. Don't give God the worst hours of your day. Don't give God those hours that you lay in bed and you can't focus on anything because all you can think about is sleep and you offer that to the Lord every day. That's what he gets. Whatever God can get in between you and your pillow, that's what he gets. Give him them good hours. What are those good hours? What are the best hours of the day? Give him some of them hours. Them early morning hours. Right after you had your cup of coffee and your mind went click, click. You know, give God your best in everything that you do. And so first fruits, offering up to the Lord. God, you get the best. I mean, just to you first. And I, that applies in so many different ways that the Holy Spirit uh, apply that to all of our lives. That God, I give you my best and I give to you first. Uh, whatever it is that I have, whatever it is that I'm offering up, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm considering you first. If it's an area of, of my giftings, God, you get first did. What do you want to do with my life? If it's my time, God, you get first did. What do you want me to do with my time? If it's my possessions, God, first did. What do you want with my stuff? My best and my first thought offering up to the Lord. And so uh, just to recap this chapter, as we looked at the grain offering, it does speak of consecration for service. And as they would offer this offering up to the Lord, God was specific with them. The grain was to be sifted. Um, it was to be covered, poured with oil. It was to be with frankincense. And um, as we just look at the symbolic value of each of those things that our lives being sifted, the Holy Spirit upon us, offering our service up with prayer, I hope that we can walk away from this. And though we're looking at a picture that was laid out to the Levites way back when, that you and I would understand that there's a way to come before the Lord in service today. That we wouldn't just come before the Lord any old kind of way. That I wouldn't be offering up to the Lord any old kind of service. That I wouldn't just say, well, God, you just got what you got. I'm going to just do whatever I want to do. But that, God, you get my best. That's thoughtful, Lord. I'm, I, I understand that I'll be sifting, but it's for your good. God, I understand that I can't do it without you. I'm, I'm, I seek you regularly for the ongoing filling of your spirit, the baptism of your spirit, your power upon my life, that I wouldn't go out in my own might, in my own strength. God, I, I pray. I seek you for direction. I know that prayer is sweet to you. I know that it's a fragrant thing. It's incense to you. It, it pleases you. It, it goes up like incense to you, Lord. And so, yeah, I offer up my service, offer up myself, all those things with prayer. That, God, my life would be ultimately pleasing to you. And uh, I believe if, again, if, if, if we would all be on that page of saying, God, you sift me. I just, I, I, I accept that. God, you pour your spirit out upon me. I know I need it. And God, I'm praying daily for direction, for strength, for power, for wisdom, that my service might be fruitful. I believe that we'd all enjoy, we wouldn't just enjoy more fruitful service to the Lord. But as we saw, the, the result here with the Lord was that it was a sweet smell, sweet aroma to him. That, and that's, isn't that the goal, that our life would be pleasing to the Lord? God, I want to please you in my life. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. God's given us insight. As we go into Leviticus and we're looking at the things that God spoke to them there, God's given you and me insight. You want your life to be pleasing to me? You see how that smelled good to me? You can, you can smell good to me. There can be an aroma that's pleasing in my sight, pleasing in my nostril from you. And um, I'll close with this. Anybody here that's, you know, in a relationship, you're married or whatever, if there's a, a scent for you husbands that your wife enjoys, you know, if there's a scent that my wife said, that stinks, I don't like that. Probably not going to be a scent that I'll be rocking. I don't want her to smell me and be like, ugh, you know, I, I want it to be a sweet aroma. I'm pretty sure if there's a perfume that stinks to me, and there's some that do. And if I let my wife know, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be spraying that all over herself. But you flip that around. If there was some cologne that you knew your wife was like, ooh, I love that smell. 
you'd be buying big bottles of it. You know, just douse yourself in it, you know, in evening times or whatever, and vice versa. God is saying, hey, this pleases me. It smells good to me. This is a this is an aroma that blesses me. So might we offer ourselves up to the Lord in this way? You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Thanks for tuning in. Leviticus is often a book that gets overlooked and misjudged. Though it seems to be full of meaningless and insignificant rules, nothing can be further from the truth. All of Scripture is so important to understanding not only your faith, but also the heart of God. When God created the Ten Commandments, they weren't meant to control. They were meant to help guide. God desires for all His children to understand that life in Him can be full and rich. And that's all God wants for you too. But He won't force you to live in Him or live by His guidance. You get to choose it. What a gift! If you're looking to dive deeper into Leviticus or other scriptures, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word of God on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining Pastor Bill again next time, right here on A Transforming Word.